0: Hello, hello friends. Welcome to the Book Drop Mic brought to you by Ink Veins, your source for book publicity, promo and press releases. This is Jason Wright, how are you? I am really excited about some of the guests coming up over the next few weeks. Uh, Okay, first, before I forget, a reminder, if you follow my work on social media, if you're on my email list, whatever, you know that Scar Dakota is available for pre-order on Amazon. Uh, You can do me a huge favor. You can, right? Sure you can. You can do me a huge favor. And go to Goodreads and mark the title as want to read it. Super helpful uh, for the Amazon algorithm. And authors appreciate as much pre-book buzz as we can get. Pre-release buzz. And we'll talk about that in a minute with our guests. Also, by the way, if you're on NetGalley, you can request the title and read it for free today. I can just approve your request because I will because you're cool. Okay, um, for a lot of our guests, I don't have an opportunity to read the book first, but I did read today's guest book first. In fact, I read the press release, which was kind of cool. I'm kind of geeked out by that, actually. That is a first for me to have done a little, um, again, pre-release marketing and, and press work on a book to then have the guest on the show. Uh, her book is called, you know what, Emily, I'm just going to hand this to you. Out of great respect for you and the family and the fact that I'm going to butcher the name. Emily Huey, what is the name of your new book?
1: The book is called What Kept Playing The Inspiring Story of Wataru Misaka and his rise to the NBA. And thank you for the press release. I really appreciate it. <laughs>
0: Absolutely.
1: Uh, folks, this is the coolest
0: story that you probably have not heard. Um, I'm a I'm a Sports guy. I like the NBA. I followed the NBA for most of my life, and um, I consider myself a a bit of a fan of sports history. This story was really, really new to me, Um, and so that's exciting. I, I love to dive into something that is both new and so unbelievably inspiring, which I believe this this is going to prove to be for many, many readers. All right, Emily, first, tell us a little bit about you and why you and in this book? Because I'm always interested sort of in the marriage between an author and the material. So tell us about Emily.
1: Um, so I am a Japanese American who lives in Utah. Um, and I would not call myself a sports, well, I would not call myself an athlete, let's put it that way. <laughs> but, um, but I uh, happen to know this man that this book's about, Wataru Misaka. He was my... Um, I, well, I thought he was my uncle for years, but it turns out that um, as I got older, I found out that he's actually my uncle's brother. So he's my great aunt's husband's brother. And so not related by blood, no athletic blood in this body, but um, I I knew who he was and he's just this incredibly wonderful man who was just always, I just always kind of looked up to him as a person. Um, I did not know until I was an adult that he had actually this amazing athlete who played in the NBA and all these things, broke all these barriers. I didn't know any of that. He never talked about it. He was incredibly humble. But you know, when I got married, I remember my, well, even before that, someone else told me his story. And then when I got married, my husband's father was like, oh, I know his story. You know, he had inspired all these people because he's this five foot seven Japanese American living during the time when Japanese Americans were put in these prison camps, you know, during World War II. And despite the fact that all that's going on, here he is like winning championships, becoming the first ever person of color to play in the NBA. So kind of an inspiring person and someone I wanted my kids to know about. That's kind so of I got involved. So,
0: I don't know if we said this, but this is an illustrated children's mm-hmm. book. But um, mm-hmm. it's, it's important to note. And I want to know why, why you chose that path. You probably could have mined a full-length bio. So why a children's book and how how did you get paired up with your illustrator?
1: Well, so I write for children. I write for teens and children. And so I think that's always my interest. But I think especially the time when I started writing this book, I had two little boys. I now have three little boys, but at the time I had two little boys who were really into sports. I also have a daughter who's also into sports, but I especially had one son who was very into basketball. And he is a shorty shorty. Mm-hmm. And I remember after one uh, junior jazz game, he came home, he'd been over a head shorter than some of the other kids. And he was kind of disappointed in how he'd played that day. And and I I told him the story of this man who I admired. And I saw how he reacted to it. And I thought, oh, this is a story lots of kids need. And that's, I think it's always in my mind because of his age at the time that that happened it's always been a children's book in my mind. So, yeah, I think it could be an incredible novel too. I think his story—I mean, you could go outside of what happened in his basketball world as well. He's—he's he's a hero in many, in many ways to me.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I was chatting with Becky Conley. I don't know if you know Becky. She's um, yeah, she's a writer, um, same publisher, I believe, as you. And she's uh, just a brilliant storyteller as well. And she was telling me about uh, her. Her upcoming book, Hidden Yellow Stars, and she, her belief—really deep belief—that the book shows her that she didn't really choose the story as much as it—it it kind of found her and asked her to to be written. And I sort of feel like you had to be the one then to write this, given your relationship with the family. I love that you thought that this guy was your uncle. That's that's <laughs> my favorite part of the story.
1: Oh. Yeah. At the time, you know, as a kid, I just knew yeah. that he was at these family dinners and he sat at the same table with all the other uncles and aunts and I didn't know, but yeah, now I do.
0: <laughs> and you know, my, so my, my takeaway from this story, um, both from, you know, having read the book and done a little bit of research for the, for the press release that I wrote is that you don't. Okay. So spoiler alert, he did not go on to win an NBA championship or, become league MVP five times in a row or win a scoring title, none of that. He had a relatively short, pun unintended, <laughs> career with, uh-huh. with New York, right? Mm-hmm. But I think the message that is so powerful and that I would want my kids and, and anyone listening and, and considering the book for your family um, or your your uh, for yourself for that matter, the message I would want people to take away is that Here's the thing I'm going to go for, this ceiling I'm going to break. And if that's all that happens, that's okay. That's the success. The success is that he is still, I think, number six or seventh shortest player ever to play in the NBA, Asian American. He breaks these barriers, and, and that's kind of it. He doesn't go on to have this long, illustrious career and that doesn't matter at all. I'm sure that if he were with us right now he wouldn't say, "Well, I was kind of a failure. I kind of burnt out." Mm-hmm. Right? Here's the goal. Here's the finish line. I did this incredible thing. I want to I want to talk about it in his own humble way. I understand from your telling that he's a he's mm-hmm. a very, very humble man. Don't you think there's a message there that it's not it's it's about setting the goal, identifying, setting, reaching, achieving and then being satisfied with that and there doesn't have to be more
1: yeah yeah no and i would say actually i don't think probably in his mind that becoming a member of the nba was like the goal i think i you know you talk about stories coming to you i feel like this title is one that just kind of came to me what kept playing and for him i think it was just i'm going to keep playing i'm going to keep playing i'm going to keep doing these things there's all these things against me but i'm just going to keep doing it and trying and doing my best but he had to
0: know he was making history. He, right? and was naive to that.
1: I think it was. I mean, obviously he played incredibly well. Obviously he accomplished these amazing things. But you know, at the time, you know, he became the first player of color in the NBA the same year that Jackie Robinson uh, crossed that line in Major League Baseball. But you know, there wasn't a big hoopla about uh, about what he he said. Um, I think he said it wasn't a big thing. Nobody cared. And so I don't know if he was like ever thought that it would be this historically significant moment. In fact, I don't really think it was until kind of the turn of the century. Can you believe we call it the turn of the century now, (laughs) but the turn of this century that people started acknowledging it. And I think it was 2009 when, you know, it was really kind of acknowledged in, you know, across the nation that he had been that, that barrier breaker. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I think to clarify, I think I said first Asian American, he was the first player of color period. Mm-hmm. Right.
1: Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And at the time it was called the basketball association of America, right. but eventually it became the NBA. So right.
0: yeah. I think it became the NBA the very next year. Didn't it? If I read that right.
1: Ooh, I, I don't have the year with me and I'm afraid. Come to say on. It <laughs> Come on. It, it was, yeah, it was, it was soon. It was soon after that, but I can't remember the exact year.
0: So how did he spend, he passed away in 2019. How did he mm-hmm. spend um, those twilight years of his life?
1: You know, he, he, he continued to play um sports his whole life. So, you know, actually he was a very good baseball player. I think in high school he played basketball. I think he played um baseball and football too, is my understanding. And then after the NBA, um, he came back and was an engineer for years and years and years, well into well past when most people retire. And then he also was this really avid bowler and he did that far longer than he actually played basketball, but he, he just kept going and going with it. And, you know, he just kept playing, you know, that idea of you just keep going with the things that you want to do. And those goals. Yeah.
0: Love it. So, okay. So you are, you're standing in front of 500 elementary school kiddos (laughs) in some school district somewhere in America. And you've just got 20 seconds to tell them why the book and, and, and more importantly, what kept playing. Like why why this story matters, not not then, but today. In this world we're living in, 2024, why do these young people need this story in their lives?
1: Mm, what I want them to know is that no matter what other people think about you, and no matter what um things other people think you should do, you can you can pursue the things you want to pursue. And I think there's, you know, Watts this really he's not the typical basketball player in any way, not in height, not in race, not in family background, nothing, right? And he he crossed all those, you know, he challenged all those barriers and became this person he wanted to be. And I think that they can do that too. I think every kid can.
0: Yeah. I love that. I love that. I can see why you, why you write for, for kiddos and why you feel sort of drawn there. So, um, what's, what is next for you? The book releases March five, although we have heard that it might be, uh, dipping <laughs> a little early from a few folks. You might even see it on <laughs> you know, somewhere, but the official date is March five and it's going to blow up and be huge. I have no doubt. So what comes next?
1: I'm working on another novel. I have um I have another, I have a YA novel out beneath the wide silk sky, and I'm working on a another one of those and oh wrestling with it. <laughs> you know, sometimes sometimes books are easier than other times. And right now I'm I'm wrestling.
0: <laughs> I I know the wrestle well. <laughs> it is um
1: yeah.
0: it's a part of that creative process. And and the books that you wrestle the most with tend to be the ones that really resonate with. Readers and yeah. and I think they appreciate very much um, the wrestle. I I um I was talking to an author at, at BEA Book Expo America years ago, uh-huh. which I don't think exists anymore. At least not as a traditional uh, trade show convention. But we we're in New York and we we're chatting, and it was the first time we'd met. And and um he had a book that had gone nuts, and we were chatting a little little bit about kind of the origin story. And he said, you know, I wrote this thing in like 10 days. Like it was the easiest thing wow. I've ever done. I, I just sat down and it just, there it was. He's like, I almost feel guilty at how easy it was. And I said, maybe don't tell a lot of aspiring <laughs> writers that story or even readers for that matter, because they they love, I love knowing, you know, I, I interviewed um, uh, Sam Wilkinson, uh, folks can catch that interview in a week or two but he's been working on this book it's it's phenomenal and it's a 15 year mm. passion project for him yeah. um a non-fiction book on this balance between faith and science that i think people are really gonna love but 15 years of his life blood sweat and tears into wow. this non-fiction title and and so i compare that to my friend at bea a decade ago saying yeah it just kind of fell out of me and i actually had a friend um who writes romance mm-hmm who for a while we shared the same agent. And she went home on Friday from her day job and on the subway in New York City had an idea for a new romance novel. And she was already under contract for a different project. And she wrote that thing between Friday on the subway, heading home, and Monday morning and sent it back into her agent, our agent at the time, Monday morning, is the doors were opening. So in- In two full days and a few yeah, hours that's incredible. Four, two others, she wrote a full incredible. eighty thousand word manuscript. Yeah, I, I can't wrap my head around that.
1: So I love. I'm the so writing. jealous. <laughs> I
0: know, I know, I know, I know. Well, you know what? With uh, with AI and Chat GPT and all that, no one's going to be writing real books anymore, are they?
1: <laughs> I don't know. I I got one of those um those word trackers on my computer. It tells you how many words you write. Mm-hmm. And I tend to be someone who writes and then I erase and write and erase, and it doesn't count if you erase it, right? Mm-hmm. And it told me that I was writing twenty-eight words an hour, <laughs> and I I got rid of that app. I did not want to know anymore.
0: <laughs> oh, that's hilarious! I I track I track my word count, um, as <laughs> by hour, and it it can it can range. Let me tell you,
1: yeah,
0: range. And I wish people could see the Zoom because you are you are a bright, hopeful. Happy, joyful person in every sense.
1: Oh, thank you. That's so nice of you. Oh.
0: No, it's thank true. You. <laughs> you look like the kind of person people want to be around because you make them feel like you know what—it's all going to be okay.
1: Well, I do believe that. I do believe you know, and I think that's something that um, I really admire about Mister Misaka too. He was the kind of person who made you just—you know—even looking back at some of the hard things that happened to him, he was always—he was always had a positive outlook. So. Yeah.
0: Well, that's a great place mm-hmm. to wrap. Well, may we all have such a positive outlook as Watt and Emily. Oh, by the way, we should shout out your illustrator real quick before. we Oh go.
1: yeah, I love Kay King, and she is um, someone that I've never met. I um, I sent her thank you one time, but that's all. That's all. It's someone that the publisher just picked for me. But man, I'm so grateful for these illustrations that just. Oh, it's my first time with an illustrated book and it just brings it to another level and is better than anything you could have thought it would be. So yeah,
0: it's it's like it's, a, it's a unique style. I love it. It's very different, I think, than what most folks might be used to seeing, particularly in in um the contemporary world. You go into Barnes Noble and you look at the best-selling yeah. children's books, and this mm-hmm. is the most this will be the most unique, I think, illustrated book that you see, um, even just in the cover. It's has this really cool old school. Um, I mean it almost looks like it was drawn in 1947 mm-hmm. 48 mm-hmm. Or whatever. it's 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 lovely so shout out to her for
1: really, her work. I really appreciate it yeah I'm really grateful. <laughs>
0: Well, we are grateful to have had you on the show. What what a fun book. We will put links to you and your good work and this book and your other books, of course, in the show notes. Invite people to, uh, to follow your work, to pick the book up. Thank you again, Emily. You're the Thank best. You. Let's do Thank this you so with much. your next book, shall we?
1: Yeah, i love that. Thank you so much.